Very good. All right. And... The, the Mentors. mentors. Uh, no. Were you going to rap Vadim? Oh, come on. <laughs> you didn't All let right. me... Uh, Vadim has a Show secret... my M&M self. Yeah, he has a secret rap career that we don't really know about. I do. My my rap name is uh, V-Rock. Uh, look me up online. You won't find me because <laughs> I would never publish any of the work that I've done. Uh, but hello and welcome back to The Mentors. Thanks so much for joining us. We're Sergey and Vadim. And this is a show where we provide insights into how entrepreneurs and creators get their ventures off the ground to help them overcome the obstacles faced in the critical early days. Now, we're very excited to welcome our guests today. This is going to be a super fun episode for for anyone that has ever dreamed. I mean, who hasn't dreamed of starting a coffee shop, uh, you know, something quaint that they can operate themselves? I think a lot of us have dreamed about a business like that. And uh, today, you're going to find out what who you're up against because these are uh, impressive individuals that um, started a company called Coffee Project New York um, just a couple of years ago with really no entrepreneurial experience to speak of beforehand. So we're going to dig into how they were able to do that. But uh, Chi Sam Nai and Kalina Tiu, is that right? Did I pronounce it right? Tio? Tio. All right, there you go. Chisam Nai and Kalina Tio uh, started Coffee Project New York just a few years ago. And in the first year of be- being in existence, they were featured in Time Out New York, voted most loved coffee shop in New York City. And there's a lot of coffee shops in New York City, so that's quite an accomplishment. They were also named by Business Insider as the best-rated coffee shop in New York City. They've been featured on Fox 5 News. Apparently, they're famous in Korea and China and Japan, <laughs> which I, I don't know how that happened. We're going to dig into that a little bit as well. Uh, but please, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. And we are sipping on some delicious cold brew coffee right now uh, from the Coffee Project. So thanks a lot for hooking us up with a couple of free cups. <laughs> we'll yeah. be stopping by the store a lot more now, just so you know. That's some of the perks of, uh, of having guests that are doing really cool things. Um, so actually, the way that I met uh, the founders of Coffee Project is... Uh, it happens to be around the corner from where I live, so I'm very lucky that I have such high-quality coffee right near where I live. Uh, and I noticed that they were there pretty much every day, and I figured they're probably the founders, and maybe I'll ask them to be on the podcast, and they were gracious enough to agree. So uh, just to get started, you know, I know that um, from our previous conversation, I know that that you guys weren't necessarily entrepreneurs in the traditional sense before you jumped into this business. So can you talk a little bit about what led you to starting a coffee shop? Why did you decide to get into coffee and maybe even how you got the confidence in the first place to become entrepreneurs? I've always loved coffee. So we have been doing coffee on a side on our own back home, just brewing and like going to coffee shops. So um, ever since back in college itself, like everyone knows me would know that I love coffee. So how do I want to start a coffee shop? It's when we realized that um, we have been working a lot, both of us on our end, and we wanted to start something together that we can both agree on and passionate about. So we started going to a lot of Coffee Fest show. Um, I think the biggest one that we've been is the one in Seattle. And when we were there, we met a lot of uh, coffee professionals that have been in the industry for a long time. And we spoke for like three days, literally going around um, talking to them. And all they say is that, hey, Sam, I think you're pretty talented. Do you, uh, will you be interested in like doing coffee? I'm like, oh, 
never thought about it at all but thank you um when i got back i was just talking to kalina you know what maybe it is not that bad to really start on something like that so i got referred to go to a coffee school in portland and from there i get all the professional training i get um i get all the feedback on how to actually run a coffee business so instead of being just a barista um there's a lot more to doing it like how do you control inventory how do you source your beans uh, what kind of thing do you want to look at when you're designing your bar so all these give me confident boost before i decided to like just um, go all out to start a coffee shop so um i told kalina you know what let's just both quit our full-time job scout for a place go go to places that we think we would like which happens to be in the east village because there's so much culture in there and we love to, to be be here um that's when we decided to like start doing coffee so how did you have the confidence to just quit your job and do it? I mean, is it because you knew that you were passionate about it? Did you have some money saved up? I mean, there, there's so many coffee shops in New York that it, it, fe- it just feels, to me at least, like something that's so risky. How did you de-risk it, even in your own heads? You're absolutely right. Um, so part of the confidence definitely come from knowing uh, all the skills and the things that I've known and re- being reaffirmed when I was in the coffee school. So it, they tell me a lot of things that I've already known that you can actually do. So that's good. It's a good confidence boost for me. And definitely savings. Um, you need to get yourself prepared for what's going to be the worst to, when you're starting a business. So uh, when we got back, um, the scouting, it seems really smooth like when we were scouting for uh, a location and then getting prepared we have some networks but it's willing to like give us connection like uh, where do you get the best um, espresso machine for example i can uh, lead you to a place where you don't have to go through so many so i save a lot of time having this connection um what, what was it the connections help you do oh um to help me save time mm-hmm. like i don't have to do my own research too much or spend too much time thinking like where should i get um, espresso machine or how which grinder is good for me to use so all these people that I meet in um, Seattle actually helped me like guide me to the proper place to get started interesting so you knew you were interested in coffee obviously you've been doing it um, since college probably put more effort into it than uh, brewing it than most people really studying it uh, then you go to Seattle you build your network and all of a sudden you have connections that can actually help you out in the early days when otherwise you would have had no idea what to do, right? Exactly. So like, the, for example, like where do I first get my beans from? So the connection that I met in uh, Seattle Coffee Fest itself told me, hey, there's this micro roaster in Brooklyn and they're pretty awesome. So we started like talking to them and they're really good. Like we tasted the coffee. We uh, of course, they are not the only coffee that we tasted before we decided to go with them, but um, they are like amazing in a way that they taught us so much about like roasting, tasting, profiling, and what is good for a coffee shop to use. Yeah, and so you know, we had an episode recently uh, entitled "When to Know That You Can Quit Your Job to Actually Pursue Something Like This Full Time," and everybody has a very different risk profile. For you, you know, first of all, it's getting some connections to de-risk it, and also making sure you have enough money in the bank 
so that you don't go bankrupt in three to six months. So that's really important. Something else to mention is not only are you guys partners at the business, but partners in life as well. You guys are married. So um, when you were deciding to start the business together, I mean, you know, you said a little bit earlier that uh, you knew that you wanted to do something together. But how did you know? There's so many horror stories of, you know, couples starting businesses, siblings, by the way. Me and Sergey have started a bunch of businesses, but a lot of people think, oh, no, if you're married or if you're uh, trying to do a business with a brother or a sister, that's a recipe for a disaster. So how did you know that it wasn't probably going to be a disaster? And do you think it has helped you at all? Hmm. So very good question. So, uh, <laughs> in fact, a lot of people actually told us that uh, you guys are spouse. Are you sure? Um, a lot of people like don't want to work together if they're like together. But uh, Kalina and I, we are different aspects that I think we complement each other a lot. Um, I am more of the execution person. So I like to get things done. And I think I pick up a lot quicker and like it's it, it gets easy for me when I need to do something. But Kalina is more the strategizer. Like she will be the one that thinks. I'm the one to hold her back basically. <laughs> like, like stop, you know, think. Don't knock yourself. Do you really want to do this? Think it through. Okay, do it. So it's, yeah, basically that's my role. She does yeah. a lot of planning for me. Like uh, for example, if just talk about how we start the business. So step by step, okay, do we have enough fundings? Who have we met? Uh, what should we do next? Have we gotten these permits? La, 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 la. Um, but for me, it's like, oh, I want to start a coffee shop. <laughs> Let's get started. What's the first thing to do? Let's buy an espresso machine. And what's next? Me get trained. But she will be the one that prepped the rest of the things to make sure that this uh, project that we have is going to run smooth. And for me to be able to like, getting started how did you um i mean your propensity for execution it shows a certain lack of fear which i think is actually really important in in an entrepreneur um you're actually right you yeah you so hit too. that yeah <laughs> on the nail so, so then where do you think that comes from for you is that just natural to you um i <laughs> well, I think, seems to think so. She's not. Yeah, I do uh, think so. Like, I don't want to admit that because that makes me feel like I'm not so much of a thinker when I do things. But um, I, when I want to do something, um, regardless of how hard that thing would be, I would do it because I want it. This is just me. My personality is just like that. So if I say I want to open a coffee shop, I can get it done in six months. If let's say I want to like climb <clears throat> the mountain, wherever I which you will not. But <laughs> if I really will, want to, if she wants to, yeah. yes, I will. will. I believe yeah. that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's a really important quality I think in any entrepreneur is you know once you get that itch, you need to scratch it. You need to push through it. But even something that you said for for starting the business together, you know, when you're starting a business with somebody else. You need to have that implicit trust. Just so happens that you decided to get married, so there's already some trust there. Um, but obviously, you trust that you complement each other in the right ways. Um, but also, what you said earlier, which is you kind of keep each other going too. I mean, business is hard, and so talk us through, you know, setting up that first shop, scouting the location. What were some of the difficulties in that first six to twelve months? Um, I think we will never forget this. So <laughs> as much as I wanted to start a coffee shop right away, um, we have to look for a location. So without having any entrepreneurship background, when we find a spot, um, all the landlord is looking at is what you have in your bank. And even if they, you prove to this person, your landlord, that you have all the sufficient fund to back you up, but you still have zero experience, you could go 
bankrupt in three months, six months, or a year, provided whatever funds you have. So every single uh, location that we scouted wants us to put a large security deposit into it in order for them to rent us a space. So without a space, we can't start a coffee shop. Um, I think the most memorable one will be the landlord who asks us for seven months security deposit wow. up front before we even agree to sign anything. Yep. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the challenges that new entrepreneurs um, will face. So how did you then end up finding a place that didn't require seven months security <laughs> deposit because that's ridiculous? I was very disappointed. Um, so that's like when I get disappointed with things, sometimes you, you, you want to give up so easily. But when you give up, that's the end of your story. So we just have to go through it. So Kalina was very supportive back then. Like, even though I really feel like giving up, she's like, you know what, let's just walk around the neighborhood. There might be things for lease that you don't have to go through a broker. It's stick on a wall or like on the panel, you can just call them. So this was exactly what happened. We walked through Fifth um, Street, which is where we're at right now. So for lease, we called the, um, the number stick on there and we wheeled the space. We, we like it. It's mm. so much bigger than what we saw the first one that needs us Required to pay. Required that yeah. seven months. Seven months deposit. And um, the landlord like mm. agreed to meet up with us. And I told him my story that I'm actually a barista school, coffee school graduate. He laughs at me. He's like, what coffee school? Why do you want to go to school for coffee? I'm like, uh, now you know why I want to go to school for coffee, right? Um, So then uh, we talked. um, He buys into our idea that we are going to do whatever we can to make the business survive. So we signed a lease and um, that's where we are at right now. You know, oftentimes people say that uh, right when you're ready to give up is when you should push through. And that's exactly what happened. Luckily, you had a partner that was able to say, you know what? No, let's just walk around outside. And there you have it. After basically, if you didn't do that one step, you wouldn't be at that location. Maybe you would have given up. Yeah, it was so crazy. Literally, we can be so happy in the morning because of one phone call. And like in the afternoon, you receive another phone call and you're back to zero. That's just how crazy it is. Yeah. Up and down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why it's so important, uh, especially for your first business, to have a partner because in those dark moments, the partner can hopefully bring you out of them. And of course, it's also important to have a supportive spouse. That's that's even a, that's a separate story. Uh, but um, but that's why a lot a lot of times when people start companies on their own, for example, it might be hard for them to get investment because investors know that uh, you are much more likely to fail if you don't have that support network. So. So you were scouting out the location. You you found this location. You know you have some idea of what equipment you can use. Uh, how can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to actually open up your first location? How much it costs? How uh, long it took? Yeah, how long it took? All of that. Oh, I can definitely share. More than happy to share, actually. So. Um First and foremost, um, let's just talk about putting a security deposit onto the rent. A big chunk of your saving will be gone. Gone, and you cannot see them anymore. <laughs> um, whatever is left with, with what we have, we have to work things out. So I, we figure out what is the most important things in our coffee shop. It's definitely the coffee machine, the coffee grinder, and also um, some of the other brewing equipment, the refrigeration. So all this equipment, some of them we lease. So that is very helpful. You just have to have good credit. They give you a brand new machine and then you pay it off within a few years and those machines belong to you. 
So that's how we get started too. And with whatever is left that we have, we just have to go to a lot of places to find things that is that we can use and then put them together. Because if you buy an actual product that's already built, obviously you have to pay for it for more. So we look at the tabletops from somewhere else, get the f- the table food, the lake somewhere else, and we yeah. get them delivered to the shop. Kalina and I use our hands mm-hmm. and screw them screw together. Them and all these tables and chairs that you're sitting on right now, they all tell a story. Even the light bulbs that you're looking at above it, it's we built them. That's cool. Wow. So okay, so so you were able to figure out how to minimize costs, uh, and and so what does it take to open up a, the, that coffee shop? How much does it cost? Um, we are about 420 square foot. So with all the equipments and also um, rent and all that, I'd say you have to prepare, be, be ready to have 150 to 180,000, our mm-hmm. size. And we both uh, work seven days for a year, opening yeah. the close. So um, labor is a big part of your, your cost. Yeah. So that's all we could do to to make it through because that's not much more left after we started yeah you didn't wait you didn't uh you know outsource uh work any work to anybody else you literally uh assembled the furniture yourself (laughs) um you didn't hire other people necessarily in the beginning because you knew you had to figure out costs yourself first and that's what we you know when we mentor other entrepreneurs we say don't hire a salesperson to figure out your sales process. Mm-hmm. You figure out the sales process. Yeah. Then if you need and if you have something that's already working, hire somebody else to help you scale it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you're starting a coffee shop in New York City. How are you guys different? What differentiated you, uh, would you say, and, and made you stand out? Yeah, I, w- I, would, even, I would even ask uh, in a different way. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Sergey. <laughs> <laughs> Differentiation for sure. But you are now about to open up your second location this summer. Uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, so clearly you're growing. There's demand for what it is that you're doing. How were you able to create this brand? What do you think enabled you to have a successful brand? Hmm. I think the main, main thing that would lead us to wherever we're at right now is we never compromise quality. That is true. Yeah, so everything that you drink and eat in Coffee Project is something that I would eat and drink every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we try our best, like all of us in the coffee shop working there, be it us or the baristas, we constantly look for things that is great to serve. So that is one thing that I think um, play a very vital role. Of course, um, there's uh, a lot of innovative and creative drinks in the coffee shop that we put it out for people to taste. So we have the coffee flights, we have some innovative coffee drinks. We sometimes even do competition among our baristas to just have them squeeze out their creativity. So we have something called the ginger elixir that's done by Ralph. Um, and it's, it was really popular. And we have Kalina going around and say, hey, look at this. Maybe we can try to do something like this with coffee. So More like the brain. <laughs> Again, <laughs> so all of these little things that we do with coffee that would attract people to come to Coffee Project and try different things, and all of us would love to share this story with anyone. Like we have nothing to hide from you. Like what what do you want to know about your coffee drink? Just go ahead and ask anyone, any of us in the bar, uh, by the counter. They will be more than happy to tell you. Yeah. So that leads to our second most valuable asset, which is our baristas, our people, our yeah. people. That was what I was going to bring up. Yeah. So. Yeah. All of us who work there don't really feel like we're working. We're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, 
a lot of people actually could feel it. Like it is not something that we pretend to be, or we want you to know that. Oh, I'm giving you excellent customer service. It's more than just that. It is actually treating you, come in here and enjoy part of our creation as a friend. So it's, like it's you're very, coming into our home, yeah. Kinda, and it's, we're treating you like how I would want my friend to feel in my house. Mm-hmm. And I think we're lucky enough that we were able to put together a team of people that kind of just do the same thing. You know, they just generally have that that very organic kind of. Very people person, I would say, and yeah, no one just... would come into coffee project and feel like oh, we're pretentious or like mm-hmm. I don't feel welcome or like more like um, I don't feel comfortable drinking coffee or even ask question. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I was just gonna say that to 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 your point, I can attest to this because I remember one of the first times I I went into your shop and I got a coffee. Uh, the gentleman behind the counter. Uh, I asked for half and half, uh, which I always do, and he poured it, and then he asked me, is this the right color? Uh, Do you want it a little lighter or a little darker? Which no one has ever asked me before in a coffee shop. And the funny thing is, the color of how it looks, of course, then translates to how it tastes, and it was a very thoughtful thing to ask. And I always do feel very comfortable when I I go there, so that's great. Awesome. How then do you guys find your talent? Is it through friends or, you know, and also what are you looking for? Aside from the people-person thing, but how do you test it? We actually, uh, our, I think it's um, our baristas are mainly people who just um, ha- like apply to like coffee jobs, like platform. And, just um, the, gene- the, gener- the general, the general way, way of, of like, scouting. Yeah. But every single barista that come into uh, the coffee shop uh, for interview, I throw them behind bar right away. Mm. So Put they have them to, in the fire. Yeah, they have to make coffee right away and then... Uh, and it is okay for us to see like you don't know where things are and all that, but more like I, it's for us to see how well you react when you're under pressure because yeah. it's very important for us. We're so small and on a weekend, things could go crazy. So if you can withstand this kind of pressure, mm-hmm. I think we will be able to like work in a team together. Yeah. That's such a cool way of testing uh, whether or not somebody would work out. And a lot of people, you know, think, how can I refine my hiring process? Make them do the work that they're supposed to do to exactly. see how they do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we never compromise in the sense that, well, when it comes to people too, we will always, um, we will rather work on our own. If we can't get the right person to be there, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to back up just, just a little bit because you mentioned it, you have to be ready to spend at least in East Village, for a 450-square-foot location, one hundred thirty dollars to $150,000 to open it. Um, were you guys self-funded? Were you able to find investors to get behind you? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Big part of it, we were self-funded. Um, but we are also really lucky to have a friend who is willing to invest in us without thinking too much. Um, so we needed that help because uh, when you start a business, you will definitely go overboard. You will definitely... Uh, spend more than what you should or what so, you think you would spend. what you think yes yeah. so we uh present to this partners um what we are going to do um and without hesitation they are like hey here you go here's some money for my share um however it goes just give me a report and we'll see how it goes from there so up to today we're still partners and they have been very supportive yeah. um they're literally they, they literally said 
if you burn this money, it's okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they literally said that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so this is a friend that you knew. Did they know? Did they have any evidence that you say what you you say you're gonna you do what you say you're gonna do? Did they know you were gonna be able to execute? Um, I think partially. I think they do trust what we can do. <laughs> it's definitely a leap off. of faith. For yeah, them, it's I really feel. a leap of faith. Uh, yeah. They have business experience, so mm-hmm. they are they um, spa owners. Mm-hmm. So for them, they know how to run a business, but they don't know anything about coffee. Mm-hmm. So one main rule that I have for them is like. You cannot be involved in my coffee shop. Like, thank you for your money and your trust, but I think I have to be responsible for the coffee part. Like, sometimes you, when you have too much, too many partners or like people who don't know this industry, hop in to help you just because they know how to run a business, doesn't mean that it's going to be good for your business because every business will have their own type of challenge and the one way to run it. So they can give you all opinion, but I think I stand firm when it comes to having them um, doing things for us. Then it will only strictly be just fundings. How did, yeah, how uh, did you know to do that? I'm curious because many first-time entrepreneurs they let their investors control their business and their product. How how did you get the instinct to to put your foot down right away? I think. Um, one thing for sure is because I'm actually really confident about our product um, when we when we sell this idea to them like I would put it away that if I ever fail in this business it will be totally my fault that I'm not doing good enough but if I go all the way out and do my best I will not let this fail so um, so if I but I know myself, I'm soft-hearted in a way that if I have too many opinions around me that I want to take care of, I will lose, I will lose my, my direction. Mm-hmm. And then I would wait. Maybe like, oh, I should start adding sandwich in my coffee shop to generate more income. Oh, I should like, I don't know, open till 10 p.m. at night uh, instead of like closing at 6 and lose my sleep. Things like this. So I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing. You guys get your money. Confidence is incredibly important. If you're building a business, you need to believe in yourself and that you're building something quality because otherwise you won't have any customers. But also having that instinct, you know, of not losing control. Obviously, you had a good relationship with this uh, investor and this partner. But, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, if I just had money from an investor, I'd be successful. But actually, a lot of times what happens is let's say you have uh, you, you have to raise a bunch of money and you have 10 investors. Well, there's a decent chance that at least a few of them are just going to suck. <laughs> and it just takes one person to be calling you every other day because once they give you money, they think, well, what are you doing with my money? Oh, um, are you investing in the right places? And they want to have mm-hmm. 100% control over that. Better not to take that money yep. and then not lose the sleep. And of course, it sounds like you had the right expectations set with your partner. I mean, they even said, you know what? You can burn through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They literally just... Give yeah. us the money and it's like, here you go. That's really cool. And also, you know, it, 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 I think it's one of the most common ways to get funded and people don't really realize it is if you have it in your network, friends and family, whoever it is, and you believe in yourself, that's a huge mm-hmm. one. If you're going to burn through the money and, and you think, <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to... Save the trouble, yeah, maybe. Then go to the casino. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, friends and family is a, is a great place to start. Um, something that you mentioned earlier is... The products that you put on the shelf is something that you enjoy, that you like the taste that you would eat every day. 
but why should we trust your taste? Uh, and that's a kind of lead-in question because you mentioned something called the Q-Grader license that I want you to talk about. So what is that and why should we trust your expertise and your palate, if you will? Okay, um, so the Q-Grader is actually um, a certified test that would allow the certified Q-Grader to be able to grade and rate green coffee beans. So um, I was... Um, I went to this test last October and I su succeeded and I passed as now I'm a certified Q grader. So um, I wouldn't say everyone should trust my palate, but more like I think I know um, what most people want to look for in a good cup of coffee. So it's a very intensive exam. Um, it is 19 tests. We are tested with... Um, the smell, the taste of coffee, even like the look of it, how it weighs. So um, if if I have to talk about the tests, I think um, let's start with the cupping. So we have to cup four different regions of coffee and each region we have to cup six types of coffee. So this coffee will all have uh, their own characteristic and our goal is to find, uh, to rate this coffee bean obviously and also to find out the defects. So um, you get to learn what are the similarities of these coffee beans if they're from the same region and what not to look out, uh, what to look out for if they're not supposed to be in a cup. So that's part of cupping. Um, also, a lot of times you will hear terms people say like um, coffee, your coffee is sour. So sour, it's a very negative term for us. So, uh, but the right amount of acidity in the coffee, we call it brightness. And brightness usually comes with sweetness. So um, when a good cup of coffee has the right amount of brightness, and it's usually followed by sweetness. So these are the things that we all learn how to differentiate between, instead of sour, bitter, it's gonna be like brightness in coffee. Um, we have to we have to practice all this. Wow. Yeah, you are like, you're the mad scientist, Alton Brown of, of coffee making. That's amazing. Um, yeah, you mentioned there's 36 aromas uh, that have to be remembered. Oh, Alexa, stop. <laughs> Alexa wants to be on our podcast, apparently. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but there are 36 aromas to remember. I wouldn't even think that that number could possibly be that high. That shows how much of a novice I am uh, with coffee. Um, I'm curious, you know, you talked about uh, seven days a week working every single day the first year. That sounds really hard. Uh, and of course, entrepreneurs need to be able to make sacrifices. But what is it that you think helped you get over a lot of the difficulties in that first year? Working seven days, it's very hard. <laughs> um, we, we have to say it out loud because it's, true. it's really true. Like all you do is imagine when you're still new, you don't really know how things work. You say your shop closed at six, but you cleaning and all that takes three hours and you get home at 10 that's all you sleep and you wake up at four and you have to travel to east village so this cycle is continuous for a year so it's really hard um but what made helped us go through this is i think a big part of it i have to give it to east village mm -hmm. the people that we meet in there makes you feel like you're not working like they will come in here and realize that they see you every day. They will ask you, do you ever take a day off? Mm -hmm. I still remember the first time 
we had our day off. Everyone came in and applaud. Yes. <laughs> like they you did. finally have a day off. Congrats, good wow. for you guys. And the day off was because it was like a federal holiday yeah. that we have to close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, one question that we also like to ask is, um, you know, it doesn't matter what stage you're in, what stage of the business. It doesn't matter if you're successful already or not. Everybody faces problems and issues. So uh, what would you say now, now that you've been doing this for a little while, um, most recently, what would you say is the biggest problem or hurdle that you're trying to overcome? So we mentioned that we're going to start our second shop in Brooklyn this summer. So uh, we signed this list last year. Um, it is a lot different than how we expect. So the first time we signed a lease, we don't have any backgrounds. Um, so it was tough. But this time, it was an easy one. Like, we actually have a lot of people wanting to, like, lease us their space. And like, hey, come join us and be, be with us. So the main challenge is, obviously, now um, we can choose the space. But... Rental in New York City is crazy. So how can we juggle between um, having a good location and then uh, at the same time, like we could still afford to hire and pay rent. So this is one of the challenges that we face. And how do you put the team together like uh, to run the second space? So now that we are starting our second shop, we have to have proper um, team like architects, construction, lawyers. So we have no experience with all this back then. Um, our team was really small because the space is small. Um, the new space is about 1,000 square foot. So everything has to like be very proper. And it's in, in a very big building. So um, all this is actually driving us pretty stressful because yeah we have to look for the right person to talk and you're no longer talking directly to the landlord you have to talk to this person under the landlord which is also the connection with uh, the building engineers so this yep. is actually a lot of work so we are lucky to have a team to help us take care of the first location and uh, the second location right now we're just focusing on making sure everything falls into uh, place and start renovating um it has been five months ever since then but the renovation hasn't started yet it's because of all these tiny tiny little things so again funding is really important like these five months we have been paying loans we have been like getting the machine it's all there or backed up um you they're have just to pay up sitting yeah, they're just sitting in the there. storage so uh, waiting. your cash flow yeah. is all stuck right there mm. but your business is not mm. up and running so this is definitely something that you want to think about just be mentally prepared I yeah would say. if you want yeah. to start a business in a bigger building in a commercial building yeah like a huge commercial building do you know other people that have had to expand to multiple locations that can offer you guys advice or who, who can you bounce around ideas with that have may have gone through some of this stuff mm, i think our um our roaster might have a lot of experience mm -hmm. with that um we have spoken to a lot of people who has has business in F&B industry um, they told us to just be prepared this is not uncommon in New York City apparently mm -hmm. so we just don't know because we are in this village that's part of entrepreneurship is just figuring things out along the way and uh, that's part of the beauty of it as well is it's kind of like a puzzle that you have to solve every single time mm -hmm. uh, I, I do want to hear your story about you know you guys were voted Sergey mentioned most loved coffee shop in New York City by time out in New York and Business Insider named them, uh, named you guys the best rated coffee shop in New York. 
how did you even get into these massive publications that are actually really trusted sources in New York and, and outside of it? Sure. So it's very interesting how compared to when we first started, like the first three months, you know, we were sitting in the shop looking outside and you're like, where's the people, right? Um, just one day, we this lady walked in, um, wrote a piece about us on Bedford and Bowery. It's kind of like a blog. Um, from there, we caught the attention of Time Out New York. Um, we were featured in Time Out New York, uh, but that was pretty much it at that point of time. I mean, we, we got a lot of traffic, I have to say. Um, and then just one day, um, it, it was like towards the end of 2016, I remember, uh, we got a letter in the mail saying that, oh, you guys were shortlisted for this Time Out Love, Love Time Out, Time Out Love Award. Time Out Love Award. Um, so we didn't really know what that is. We're like, okay, great, you know. So we took that letter, um, later realized that we won East Village. Um, so that's uh, Time Out basically separated New York City into little pockets uh, of neighborhood. Uh, we won East Village, uh, the most lived coffee shop in East Village. We went there um, to their winner's party, uh, just, you know, happy that we're eating free food and free booze and just all of a sudden when they announced uh, the category winner uh, we actually won um, New York City's most loved uh, cafe Um, so that was that Uh, we are quite surprised I have to say we were very surprised very honored but very surprised (laughs) that award actually brought us to the map of New York City coffee scene yeah yeah, because no one knows what Coffee Project does back yeah. then. We are just this tiny little coffee shop in East Village. But when we were in the award, we actually see a lot of other coffee shop owners yeah. that has been like... They were in the they industry, were in the for, industry a for a while. Yeah. So finally, I'm like, oh, so there is this place called Coffee Project New York. I should check them out mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. So I made a lot of friends in the award and yeah. I've been keeping in touch with most of them. So yeah. sometimes, let's say, that will also lead to our... Um, guest roasters. So for mm-hmm. example, if I need something that I think, oh, this week, maybe I want to feature a Colombian coffee. So I would like ask them and say, hey, anyone of you guys roasting out there that has a good Colombian coffee that you want to m- maybe introduce to our customer? So we get samples, we ke- uh, we sample them, we cup them, and then realize that hey, it's good. Do you want to be featured in our coffee project as like guest roaster? They were like, oh yeah, down for it. So these are the networking connection that we mm-hmm. get in the award that is ongoing till now and if i have questions about um a coffee machine right now because after all i'm only like four years doing coffee professionally some machine stuff i don't know so i can easily just call up a person and say hey i think my espresso machine the pressure is not right then they would like come over help me check things out and say that you need to do this 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 so it's amazing that way notice the snowball effect you know you started by getting covered by a a blog Uh, then you got picked up by Time Out New York, got some traffic your way, but yeah. you know maybe not necessarily tangible what the results are going to mm-hmm. be. Then you got invited to this award. You ended up winning the award, yeah. um, and that ended up creating a bunch of really cool relationships for you guys that now pay dividends years down the line. So those first three months you mentioned, uh, how do you get customers, right? Did you spend any money on marketing, or did you do anything to try to get foot traffic or or what did you do (laughs) i have to say because we don't really have entrepreneur um experience we didn't really think about that 
at the beginning. We're just sitting in there, like whoever comes in, you know, we do our best. Um, but right now, I mean, we know that, okay, you know, we, we should market ourselves a little bit better uh, so get people know where we there. are. Um, but I do have to give credit. Like you mentioned East Village earlier. Um, people who lived on the street, like on our street, on Fifth Street, in the East Village. Uh, a lot of them are no longer here. They moved to another country. But, you know, what they did was to give us a boost of confidence. They would actually come into the shop and sit in there. I mean, they would order a coffee and they would sit in there just so you would kind of see a human in the shop and it's not just an empty shop. Um, these are people who lived in East Village for a very long time, like 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Um, I mean, we become kind of like friends with them and whenever they come back to this part or like even to this country, to New York, they would come and visit us and it's like, I'm so happy for you guys, you know, like you guys made it, you know, I know you guys could made it. I don't know where they got that confidence that we would made it. But yeah, it was it was really nice. I think that's that's very important. Um, I think it's a very important factor um, that lead to our success. Um, it's yeah. that human the humane factor yeah. yeah within in, that in three East months Village. within that three months too it was also the time for us to collect data from our customer mm. like this is how i would do it but at the same time who am i doing it for i'm doing it for my target audience which yeah. is obviously people who come in and drink coffee so we used to only have a one size drip coffee because we don't want headache like that's how I do my coffee. I don't have to ratio it too much. But people keep telling me, hey, you should have a large drip coffee now. Or you should carry soy milk, almond milk. Um, or you should do this and that. I take them into uh, consideration and I really think about it. How I could make this whole coffee drinking experience better for you. If I can do it, I will definitely do it. So we talk about this to our customer and their feedback is very genuine. They're not just here to tell you that they want this they are thinking for the bigger picture so little things that i don't see when i first started the coffee shop this whole three months came in so they told us this we do that and then we're both happy now i still remember the first time we started our uh, punch card system so because we see everyone doing it so we're like maybe kalina we should do a punch card just to get loyalty so people will come back every day but this group of people that we first serve in the first three to six months are people like hey do you want to start a punch card with us they will tell you that oh only when you start making money i'll get a punch card from you it's crazy yeah wow so much to be said for i think i think two important observations here why i think you were successful beyond the fact that you're a very strong team and you complement each other very well, is you were not willing to compromise on quality. You knew what you wanted your product to be, but you were flexible enough to adapt by listening to your customers and not being so headstrong that you just did things your own way and not listen to anybody else. So the quality was there. The product was very good. You knew what you were doing, but you were willing to adapt to what it was that your customers needed. And ultimately that resulted in a very, very loyal customer base that kept coming back. Yeah, your customers a lot of times can be your best partners, mm -hmm. uh, especially for a business like yours where it's community-based. I mean, people are coming in every day. Even as you guys are talking, I'm now going to be more conscious of uh, whatever coffee shop I go to, and I think I'm going to try to strike up conversation more because I love small businesses. We come from a family of small businesses, and sometimes when you're in the daily grind and you're in your own head, you forget that there's a really a human element there, and it's mm -hmm. important as well. 
Awesome. Thanks a lot uh, for being on our show. This is a ton of fun. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people dream about starting a coffee shop or a restaurant or something like that. It's not an easy road by any means. Are you obsessed with it? I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Is are you obsessed with it enough to even try something crazy like this Pew Grader license? Or I think even uh, I think even some you mentioned that you you used to work uh, on your free time at your friend's coffee shop. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh yeah. So. Um, Nothing professional and happy enough that this person will let me go in and mess in the bar with her. Um, but these are all the little things that you, if you pick up any experience throughout your way, even if you think that you're not doing coffee in the future, but unknowingly you're actually picking up not only just the coffee skill, you're, you're actually picking up the people skill because this is how a barista talks to the customer. And this is how the barista would... Um, hand out drinks to the customer. It's always smiling. It's always, what can I do for you? Oh, do you need anything else? So all these little things that you picked up, it goes a long way and you don't know you pick it up. It just comes so naturally. Yeah, that's that's a great, great test is put yourself to work right away because you were already obsessed with it without you were doing it on your own time, brewing at home, but then you wanted to see, you were curious enough to see what does it take to actually do it professionally. And curiosity is actually a great way to test whether you should or should not start a business and you knew that it's something that you could do every day because you cared about it so much not to mention you have a spouse that's very supportive that's also your partner in your business uh, and you mentioned that if you're working together you have a lot more to lose and so you won't give up just because you've been working together you have <laughs> yeah. to make it work right it might be it oh. <laughs> longevity well guys it's 8 15 on a thursday let's do some shots espresso, <laughs> espresso shots, shots. All right. <laughs> Thank you.